Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Well, let's welcome back a man who always has busy weekends this time of year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, National Recruiting Director, former Horizon League Coach of the Year, and a man who, let's let's be honest, has uh, one of the best heads of hair in the business. That's why he's on TV. Paul Biancardi back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Paul, how are you, bud? Kyle, how you doing? I'm not sure anyone's ever introduced me that way, but I'll take it. It's a magnificent head of hair, Paul. I, I don't say it to you because I don't want it to be weird between us, but you have great hair. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> I thank my parents for that. <laughs> it's always the genes. All right, buddy. Well, it's good to have you back, man. Uh, let me actually yeah. start with the Hornets, my friend, because there are a lot of folks for the first time this year outside of that like opening night win over Atlanta that really want to talk about the Hornets. They've won four straight games. They're still doing it without LaMelo, but you know, the supporting cast is still getting it done. Grant Williams is playing out of his mind. Uh, what do you think of these guys? Out of the break, they won again last night in Utah. I know, and they haven't won in Utah, I believe, since was it 2006. So anytime you've done something for the first time in a long time, uh, it's noteworthy. It really is. When I watch them play uh, since the trade, the team chemistry is evident, number one. Number two, their defense is improving. They're a very high assist rate team. You look at their assist to make field goals, it, it is way up there, close to 60% or more. They added three-point shooters. Their basketball IQ is, is very good. And uh, they don't have LaMelo Ball or Mark Williams back yet. So a lot of positives right now for the Hornets. There's no question about that. I mean, pardon me. I, as far as the draft goes, Paul, uh, you and I hopefully are going to be together again for a third straight year doing the NBA draft show when June rolls around. But, you know, th- there are some fans out there saying, yeah, this is great. But, you know, for a team that's still 27 games under 500, that it would be nice to keep adding talent in the draft. And they're worried about falling out of the top 10 or so. I don't really care about that personally. But, like, this draft seems to be so much more wide open and unknown than maybe the last couple. Do you have any favorite players in this upcoming draft? Well, I do, but, I mean, when you talk about the upside of this draft, it's not as high maybe as in years past. It's certainly not as high uh, in next year's draft because those will be the freshmen in college basketball, and right now I'm ranking those guys in the high school game, and they are. there's a great deal of dynamic talent in the class of uh, 2024. Uh, when you look at the class, there are guys that are, are fit pieces. You know, they have to fit to what you're trying to build, also, it's an acquired taste. What somebody likes at number 10, somebody may not even touch. So I think there's different pieces on the table, you know, based on what you're looking for. You've got a Ron Holland, who's an excellent defender. He's a lottery pick. He was a top five player in high school. Uh, great motor, great defender, great culture guy. Not a good shooter. Uh, then you have Isaiah Collier, uh, one of the top point guards in the draft coming up. Big, strong, physical point guard. The Hornets certainly don't need an, another point guard. Um, you got Modest Buzelis, who's 6'9", loaded with upside, right? When I say upside, he's 6'9", he plays like a guard. And he shoots threes and he can make plays. He's not ready physically. You know, he, he'd have to go down to the G League for reps. So there's a lot of guys that you've got to take and develop and, and you've got to picture them into your program a year or two from now. But let me say this about the Hornets. There's nobody in that organization that is trying to lose games for a better draft pick, period. 
No, I, nor should they be. Now, last thing on them, your no. thoughts your, your thoughts on Steve Clifford here, because I know you don't know what's going to happen, nor do I, and I'm tend to, I tend to believe that you know new ownership wants to start fresh with new people in most cases, right? They're, they're going to hire a new GM, and I think they very possibly hire another head coach, but isn't it also I mean, the, the difference between their performance with the previous locker room and what they're doing now? I mean, Steve Clifford looks more relaxed. They're buying into his defensive schemes and you know what he's asking them to do. They're fourth in the NBA yeah. in defensive rating in these last four games. Like, I, I, do you think that Steve's got a chance to coach for his job here? I, I don't think there's any question he does, um, I, meaning he should stay. Uh, you, you look at the roster, right? So you look at the roster before the All-Star break, tons of injuries. I mean, they were playing with the second unit a lot. And they were competitive in a lot of games. I, I mean, I went to some games, and they would be competitive in the first half. They were very competitive against the Knicks in the first half. Second half, the talent takes over. You know, you play a game long enough, the more talented team most likely is going to win. Uh, we've had some really good coaches here, high-level coaches going back to Larry Brown. You had Steve Clifford twice. I thought James Borrego did a terrific job cultivating this program and growing this franchise in, into a winning, winning team. Um, and never got a chance, in my mind, to keep finishing the job. But you get Steve Clifford, this type of talent, and he's showing you what can happen. Let me tell you why. High IQ guys make your job easier as a coach. Defensive-minded guys, a little bit better defensively than before. Tough guys, guys that have some leadership ability. These are all things that are helping them win. It's not like they went out and got four all-stars. right? They didn't get four all-stars. They got four very good players who care about winning. You got a coach who's as good as anyone in the NBA, in my opinion. And I've known Steve Clifford since he was an assistant coach at Boston University. And he's been under some great coaching trees. You just can't keep changing the coach every three to four years. Change the talent, keep the coach, let them grow together. Paul Biancardi, ESPN. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Um, as I transition into college hoops here, Paul, we have some massive news that came down in the last 15 minutes. I'm not even sure if you've seen it yet, but um, the Tennessee, uh, Tennessee and Virginia have won their preliminary injunction against the NCAA. Uh, both state attorney generals filed suit against the NCAA. They've won this case, uh, for now anyway, the preliminary injunction. So booster-funded NIL collectives can now communicate with high school recruits and transfer portal players in these two states. I mean, this figures to have ripple effects across the NCAA, some even proclaiming the NCAA dead as a result of this. What What are your reactions? Well, I did not know that. No, I've been watching film on these high school players all this afternoon, so that, that didn't come across my phone. Of course, it was on silent. I was waiting for your call at 420 today. Um, it, it, look, it, I think you heard Charlie Baker say it uh, on an interview recently. Um, the head of the NCAA, legislation has to fix all this. It, it's not going to be the NCAA. It's bigger than them. Mm -hmm. It's going to be state by state, or it could be federally in terms of how the laws get passed. Uh, but for this particular uh, passing, you're saying that the boosters now can have contact with the recruits on NIL. Is that correct? Uh, yes, they can. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like they weren't before anyway. <laughs> Trust me. And even before NIL, they were having contact before. So the door, the doors have been, you know, pushed open. They've been propped open, and now they're knocking the doors down. Uh, this is going to be a, a statewide, you know, law that gets passed. But eventually, I think federal law will come into the fact and say, this is how we're going to do it until 
until the schools decide to make the players, you know, employees and give them contracts. A lot of people feel that way. I know my colleague Jay Billis has said that publicly. Oh yeah, you know, he's been ahead. Of, he's been ahead of this for years, and we've had a lot of discussions about it. Um, and and he's as smart as you're going to find when it comes to uh, college basketball and certainly the NIL situation. And I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, treat them as employees, give them contracts, and if they leave early, then you know, then there's penalties if they leave early. They they have to pay the buyout. You know, just like any other contract. So. I think I think it's going down an avenue where the schools are going to end up uh, facilitating the funds uh, to the players. I will tell you this: talking to a lot of head coaches in college basketball, they don't mind the NIL. It, it's it's not it's new, and they're adjusting. I think they're having trouble with the NIL with the high school player who commits to the school and then expects a large amount of money or some kind of NIL money before they get on campus. They haven't done anything yet, right? NIL was supposed to be for what you've done, what you've produced. Um, I didn't see it as a as a program where you were getting the money on the front end. You were getting the money on based on what you did at your school and who you were at your school. Um, so I think that's the big part for the college coaches that are kind of opposed to this. No doubt. All right, Paul Biancardi, ESPN. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You were texting me last week during the uh, the UVA game, that, that ugly UVA game, 49-47, last Saturday against Wake. Uh, then Monday, yeah. you know, my, my Hokies whoop them. I mean, by 34, just uh, the shockwave type of win. And now Virginia yeah. gets to host Carolina tomorrow, a fresh Carolina team that's had a week off. Although Matt Doherty told me in studio yesterday he hates that they're coming into this game with a week yeah. off. I, I don't know how to read with this one, Paul. What are you thinking? Well, first of all, I, I agree with Matt because when you get a week off, sometimes you get a little bit out of rhythm. I'm not going to say you get rusty, but when you're playing a Wednesday, Saturday, or, or, or Thursday, Saturday, you get in a rhythm. Uh, your team gets that intensity level twice a week. And when you get a whole week off, it, it may be good if you have injury. Uh, this one's a tough one to handicap now. Um, you know, some of the ones I handicapped in the past, I was texting you that came out the right way. This one's a tough one because Virginia – it's 14 and home this year, 14 and one at home. They're not very good on the road. We know the offensive woes that they have, but they have a defense that can keep them in the game. The question will be, can they muster up enough offense uh, to win this game? Uh, North Carolina top team in the ACC scoring. They're a great rebounding team. And what I love about Carolina is that they're one of the best in the country at free throw attempts and makes, you know, they have all the makings of a final four team. But as we know in conference play, uh, things can be different. Like last night I had Gardner-Webb and Radford. Radford beat Gardner-Webb at Gardner-Webb by 20. Gardner uh, Radford was last place in the Big South going into that game. I like Virginia in this one in a close one in the high 50s. Mm, how about that? My buddy Darius Nichols doing a good job at Radford, though. I know they're struggling this He's year. He's doing a great job. Yeah, we, we grew up together. I'm a big Darius Nichols fan. All right, uh, then, Paul, we also have uh, Duke and Wake Forest tomorrow at the Joel up in Winston-Salem. And my guy Smoke was pushing me on this one the other day because, you know, Wake needs it, but I, I've yet to see Steve and company win the big game that they need at Wake. I also know it's a tough place yeah. to play, and Wake's motivated, so I can see this one going either way. Yeah, and let me just say this. The JPJ of Virginia is going to be rocking national yes. TV, Carolina. Same thing here at Wake Forest. I mean, they shoot the ball so well. This is two great offensive teams, two of the best offensive teams, I think, in the country. And Duke is very good defensively, and they rebound well. Uh, this environment's going to be hard. Wake Forest shoots it at 37% from three. 
they need their front court in this game. They need Carr and they need Reed. I think Reed followed out in the last game, if I'm correct. They need Reed against Filipowski because Filipowski and Mark Mitchell, they went for 44 points and 18 rebounds. I thought they were the big difference the first time around at Duke. I think Wake Forest can get Duke in this game, but I think it's going to be real close. What, what about the, the emergence of Jared McCain? What are we watching from him right now? What I've seen in high school. Yeah. I mean, no different. Gamer, big-time shot maker, plays with a lot of moxie. Great team defender, great locker room player, uh, plays unafraid, highly skilled in the pick-and-roll, highly skilled open shooter. You know, he's got that moxie, right? He's not afraid to take that big open shot at Wake Forest if they're down three. Uh, he's had all the makings of greatness from high school. He was a top-ten recruit, and uh, he had the intangibles plus the talent. Uh, it be a tough environment for him. He'll have to play well. Proctor and Roach, as older guys, will have to lead the way for McCain and Foster. All right, I'll let you go on this, Paul. NC State at home again tomorrow. I felt like they really missed an opportunity against Syracuse a couple of nights ago. But let's be honest, both teams needed that game. Um, how much work does State have to wow. do here? I mean, how much work does State have to do? And I mean, tomorrow feels like one they absolutely cannot lose. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I worked at BC for seven years, met my wife there. But my daughter, Alyssa, is a graduate of NC State, so I'm torn on this game. Uh, but definitely, this is one NC State can't lose, we'll say, right? Because if they lose, they continue to drop further down. BC's a tough out. They have maybe the most underrated player, I think, in the ACC in Quinton Post. Oh, yeah. He's, fa- he's fantastic. You know, he reminds me of Filipowski in many ways, and the NBA scouts think he's not that far away from Filipowski. So BC is going to be tough. They're gritty defensively. They can score points. And Post is a go-to guy. And for for Keats and, and, and State, they have to continue to rely on their balance scoring. Horn's been fantastic for them. He's got to play big. Their defense has to show up in terms of forcing turnovers. And D.J. Burns will have to do some work inside against Post. It's an even matchup. It's a toss-up. I know it's at NC State, but the pressure is on State. Paul, we, we appreciate you, buddy. Look forward to it every week. Enjoy the games this weekend and uh, enjoy the call. We'll talk to you next Friday. All right, Kyle. Thanks for having me. There you buddy. go.